Hello and welcome again to the Life on the Inside podcast with health expert Elizabeth Mucci. Here we continue our ongoing discussion about changing the way we think about our life, our health and ourselves through integrative medicine. I'm Lauren Cress. Hello and welcome to the fourth podcast episode for Life on the Inside. A couple of weeks ago on Thursday the 12th of October, Triple J's Hack did a discussion about chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME. Today we're going to be talking about Elizabeth's approach to this disease and her thoughts on some of the current developments in this area. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. On the program Hack the other day, basically what I thought was really interesting was that they said there were no current guidelines really for medical doctors to deal with this disease and help patients manage this disease. And also that there's few therapies that work, I guess, both on the complementary side and on the medical side. So my first question is, what's your approach and how do you, what's your perspective on ME when a patient comes in presenting the symptoms associated with it? Chronic fatigue is an interesting one because it's not really one area that it's impacting in the body and it, it actually can create a lot of confusion for... Um, the practitioner who's trying to, or, you know, they present a certain way and the practitioner is thinking maybe it could be um, like a fibromyalgia, for instance, uh-huh. or an autoimmune disease that's being triggered, mm-hmm. or um, maybe it could be, um, you know, you've got a, a gut issue if you're presenting a certain way. Um, so because it's affecting things like gut function and it's affecting the... Um, uh, the energy concentration, mm-hmm. um, the cardiac muscle it can it can cause pain. You don't actually, um, you know, often what happens is with doctors, um, you know, physicians, they will go down the path to rule out a whole heap of other diseases first yeah, yeah. before this has come about. What I tend to sort of look at is um, those those symptoms are very real. Mm-hmm. Um, they've often come out of a, a, you know, oh, as a result of the breakdown slowly of the communication between cells. Muscles aren't being used anymore the way they used to be, so you know that's really slowed down. So you have muscle atrophy happening, mm-hmm. so the shrinking of muscle, um, and so you've just got this deterioration. I tend to yeah. see it like a going down a, a yeah, weird, the downward yeah the downward spiral yeah, yeah. and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse so when I tend to see someone with chronic t- fatigue it's more about building up the body yeah. not just in one area but lots of different areas that have been impacted often what we find is or the most common type will be um, chronic fatigue as a result of glandular fever mm-hmm. um what I tend to find is, you know, the glandular fever was maybe experienced a year earlier um, and they're just never the same again. Mm-hmm. And so it's more about, you know, why is, is one particular person experiencing glandular fever and gets over it and gets on with their life very normally and back to normal? One other person might have glandular fever and not even realise that they've had it. Um, and then you've got, you know, another person that has glandular fever and they're wiped for the next 15 years of of energy. So everyone's being impacted differently. So I definitely um, 
definitely take the symptoms um, very seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I, I basically get the patient to go through as much of the body um, symptoms and, and where they are clinically as they can with me and then look at what do we need to do to actually build up each area. As we're building up area those areas or biochemical pathways, what I tend to find is there's a whole heap of other symptoms that are disappearing as a result. And so the patient then feels better and better and better as we go up um, in that sort of... Uh, restoration of the body. Cellular function's a bit like that. So you're starting off with a weak scenario and so you're slowly challenging the system as you're nurturing that cellular function. So, and that might not just be um, cells in any one particular area. You might have to improve, well for me, you know, definitely improve gut function because the gut is where you tend to absorb nutrients like calcium so that, you know, the calcium then helps with um, uh, the communication between cells and muscle and pain and all the rest. You've got um, the improvement of the the improvement of the breakdown of proteins to amino acids. So then you've got the amino acids there in higher numbers for the body to make better muscle because muscle's a protein. So you've got that, that the actual gut is where usually a lot of this is starting. And because glandular fever is affecting the liver function, it's usually affecting the gut function. And because it's affecting the liver function and it's weakening the body, you've then got a situation where your immune system's been weakened because the liver also um, plays a large role in the immune um, system. And so you've got the immune system's being weakened. And as the immune system's being weakened, you'll have other things that would have been in the body, for instance, funguses, you know, uh, things like candida and other funguses or parasites that can take off. And as they're in, in um, exploding in the body in larger numbers, you've then got them those things weakening the system mm-hmm. as well. So often what you see is a lot of people with um, glandular fever or post-glandular fever, you'll see that their, um, uh, their ability to process... Um, high refined sugars or sugary things will really make them tired and they will start to feel quite weak by that because the um, sugars aren't as, or the sugar processes in the body aren't as fine-tuned as they used to be because of the virus. So you've got to look at all different areas in the body that can have an impact on energy and sugar has a massive impact on our body with energy, how you then uh, store that sugar and release that sugar in the liver. So that's all been affected. And then, you know, whether you have things like... um, funguses that are actually taking sugar out of your bloodstream now that are now in higher numbers. So that's what we've got to look at as well, um, how the nervous system actually works and acetylcholine's being released so that the muscles can be triggered better. We've got to look at the health of the nerves. So you're trying to repair all the, the areas that are actually possibly being damaged by the virus or weakened at least by the virus. So you've got a body that's much weaker not functioning very well, trying to go through their day-by-day sort of uh, activities. And then if it's, it's not diagnosed properly, often the solution to 
some of the problems that they would be experiencing um, is go and exercise so that you're not feeling depressed now or, or go and exercise so that you get fitter and you go and exercise and you're feeling much worse as a result instead of maybe looking at look start feeling a bit better first as you feel a little bit better do five minutes of something strenuous a day don't overload your system keep working on feeling you know making your system better then go 10 minutes and so instead of like oh I feel so much better today I'm going to go out and I'm just going to go and do a gym class and they haven't done that for a long time and their muscles aren't prepared for that and then they're going to feel um, a lot worse because they've inflamed their body and then they've got a weak system trying to deal with inflammation markers. So a lot of this is about biochemical pathways being uh, communicating poorly now as a result of the, the disease as well as um, being deficient. Most of my patients who have had chronic fatigue actually got better quite mm -hmm. quickly but it was more about looking at maybe you know um, six or seven areas of the body that had been uh, really challenged through uh -huh. this process and when you put the two together or the four together or the seven together these people are really struggling. I mean it sounds like a horrible illness to kind of be dealing with for months and potentially years. Um, are there things people can do is there, is there sort of a light at the end of the tunnel? I believe there is. I've no, I mean, in my patients, there has been. Um, and it is a very frustrating disease. Yeah. Uh, it's normally diagnosed after a very long um, search, you know, or a search of what this could be. So mm -hmm. there's been MRIs, because mm. could this be, an, you know, an MS situation, you know, um, and so, yeah, people are, you know, there, there is no hard and fast rule to any of this. You've got doctors, um, often what happens with specialists is they're very specialised in their, in their area, mm -hmm. but because chronic fatigue is, so, um, is affecting so many areas, mm -hmm. it's actually quite difficult for um, doctors in general to sort of to treat this because they don't know what to really do with something that's affecting nearly every part of that body yeah you know what yeah. do they do about that how do they medicate that they, they can't sort of do that so the way I tend to approach that is look at cellular function mm -hmm. and so gut function cellular function um, and then move from there you know looking at the person's background and then move from there so and I have found that to be quite successful and just improving that. So, so what when you say it affects lots of areas, um, is it not just a case of it being that you're tired or in pain? Are there other things that are being... What, what are the symptoms of, of ME? It definitely is more than just feeling tired and in pain. So it can affect the gut function. A lot of people can't focus. They've got a really foggy brain, so they can't go back to work. They mm -hmm. can't actually, um, you know, do exercise for very long or, or if at all. Some people can't, you know, struggle to even just dress themselves first thing in the morning. They can't just do what we take for granted every day. A lot of people are struggling just to, to you know, get into transport, into work, just the basic sort of things because they're just so exhausted mm -hmm. constantly. And then they can't um, hang out with friends. They, you know, they, it's, it's just so debilitating. 
let alone the pain, if there's pain. So not everybody with chronic fatigue experiences pain. Um, and it's different in a lot of people. Yeah. So um, some people can work, but they might find that, you know, they might be able to work half a day and then basically they're in bed the rest of the day. Or um, That's what I found with certain patients. Some patients will say, you know, I, I, I can work two days a week and then I've, I'm basically hammered for the rest of the time and and things like that so um it will affect the immune system um, often um so therefore people are not only tired and all the rest but they're also getting sick constantly um let alone other things that could be happening uh put yourself into a parent's situation where now you're not only just struggling to look after yourself but you're now struggling to uh, take your kids to school to try and be there for your kids you know um, everything's exhausting everything's amplified it's much harder to just go through your daily um, things with the kids let alone you know they could be fighting or whatever you just it's so depressing in that sort of sense that it's taking over your whole life so it can be um, eventually, you know, affecting anxiety, depression, giving people um, very little hope. You know, it, it's interesting because even with like a lot of the time when we've experienced pain, you know, people will have like a really bad neck or sore back. And when you're there, if, it, if it's going on for a couple of weeks, it seems like you can't remember what it was like to not have pain. Yeah. You know, yeah. or it's like absolutely, you know, um, you know, becomes your absolute focus every day because you've woken up with this sore neck or headaches or something like that. And, you know, people with chronic fatigue will be experiencing this for years. Mm. So it's so depressing or it's it's so debilitating and just being able to just you know live your normal day even if it could be one day out of five um you know a lot of people what I found with patients is they then put so much on that one day that they felt a bit better that it then affects it makes it much worse because like oh my god today I'm so much better so I'll get out I'll meet with my friend that I couldn't meet with I'll do all this other stuff I'll go and do a good walk because I haven't been out in the sun for ages I'll go and do whatever they can sort of do and then they're debilitated for the rest of the the week because it's been they've been set back okay so you said you do think there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this so what how do you how do you manage this if a patient comes to you experiencing these things? I will look at um, what blood work's been done, what examinations have been done. But I will tend to, and obviously some of the clinical symptoms they're experiencing right now, but usually I will go back, right back to childhood mm-hmm. and have a look at the disease that impacted that particular body. So we're trying to look at who who was this person before chronic fatigue and um, why did their body handle it the way that they handled it. So I'll be looking at their gut, for instance. You know, how did they did they go overseas and Asian countries or South America or have they been suffering from um, IBS or slight sort of gut issues before they got the chronic fatigue and therefore it just got a lot worse because of the chronic fatigue so just just an example did they have some depression or anxiety um, before they got the chronic fatigue 
and have a look at that as well. So I just I, I go in to look look at what are the areas that were weak to start with, mm-hmm. how well they had looked after themselves to start with before any of this happened, uh, were there any deficiencies, um, family history, having a look at what weaknesses could be in the family, what sort of... Uh, illnesses could have caused the chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. The most typical is glandular fever or the uh-huh. Epsom Barr virus, um, but there will be other ones. So sometimes patients will come up negative mm-hmm. for the Epsom Barr virus, but they may have had may have had the cytomegalovirus, mm-hmm. or they may have had um, chemotherapy, mm-hmm. for instance. And so depending on, you know what they experienced and and what that particular virus attacks say yeah and so um, it just gives you a clearer picture of you know where who was this person first what damage could have been made if there's a system that that person already had that was weakened then that aerial normally would have been even more weakened by the the um by having like a disease yeah virus or whatever so it kind of sounds like i mean i thought it was really interesting um, listening to um, to Hack when they were saying that basically 240,000 Australians or thereabout are affected by this. But if we looked at the stats for glandular fever or for how many people go through chemotherapy for a number of reasons, I imagine it would be a lot higher than this course, is yeah. less than 1% of the population. So it sounds like it's not just about, oh, if and I think this is what you're saying, it's not just necessarily having that disease but it's more a combination of things. Yeah, it's a, a combination of, you know, exactly what, what was it even just the one? Sometimes people, um, I mean, I've had patients that have had, for example, glandular fever and the cytomegalovirus, mm-hmm. one after the other, and therefore that's then weakened them too much. Mm-hmm. Or they've had a really bad year where they've had cold after cold and their immune system was really um, struggling to fight off all the different things. They might have had pneumonia and then something else and then got glandular fever. So usually... Um, it's more about the impact on that particular body. Mm-hmm. This is what I've found. Yeah. Um, and then it just helps me then know which direction to sort of, you know, what areas and what parts of the body to try and really sort of work on. Mm-hmm. And so as I do that and work on cellular function and all the rest, mm-hmm. I tend to find people feel a lot better quite quickly actually. Usually within two weeks they're feeling better. Yeah. They're not going to be on top of the world yet because the... Um, the length of time that that body's not been able to, you know, be fit and work and move and all the rest, there's a lot of that muscle shrinking and all the rest. But it's at least it starts to... You, I expect in everyone to feel better after two weeks if I'm on the right track. If I'm not, then I'll go down a different road because there's so many areas. Yeah. That, that is yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's more about checking in, making sure that... Uh, and whether the patient's been compliant yeah. and all the rest. Often what I find is they feel a lot better and then they go and challenge themselves and do the very thing I didn't want them to do. Mm. So they might go, oh, yeah, I went and played a game of tennis and, oh, I felt so much better and, oh, I think it's back. They'll say mm. something like that, but it's not about that. It's really more about you've just strained a very weak system. Yeah. And so... Um, and I can, I can totally relate to that. I'm even thinking about, you know, when you have a gastro bug for a couple of days and, you, you know, you're bedridden and you feel horrible and then you start feeling a bit better and you're like, oh, I can eat again yeah, and then yeah, go and exactly. eat and then someone asks you out and you go out. 
And then the next day you're kind of like, why did I do yeah, that? Now? Yeah, I, I like wasn't twice. ready yet. Yeah, so normally I have. And that's after uh, two days. So normally, oh, yeah, because a lot of the time these people can't move for such a long time. You just want to get out. You just want to get out. Yeah. Um, but I do suggest sunlight as well. I, you know, get out, actually lay down in the sun, get some vitamin D. First thing in the morning, if you can, get out in the sun, mm-hmm. lay in the sun where if you can. Um, that might be difficult for some people, but or just get sunlight in your eyes and get some sun hitting you for 15 minutes so at least your serotonin levels are coming up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because a lot of these um, disease states um, are in bodies that, you know, the gut function is very poor, mm-hmm. that's then going to lead to low serotonin, which is going to impact on their depression and they'll feel quite down. So it's not just... A lot of the time, it's not that you're feeling necessarily depressed because of the situation. That's there as well. Yeah. 100% that's there because any one of us would feel quite depressed or anxious about trying to solve this problem and getting out of this yeah. state. Yeah, absolutely. That's just normal. But it's more about, look, don't just blame chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's a take-home message. Don't just blame chronic fatigue for everything that you now experience. You want to look at... Other things, you know, if you're not getting out in the sun, your serotonin levels are going to drop. Um, If you're inside on your bed all the time, you know, you might find that you start not sleeping very well. If you're sleeping all day because you can't move, then it's going to affect your sleep at night. So therefore, you've got all that happening. Yeah, because a lot of time, you know, you want to have exertion so that you can sleep. But when your pineal gland is getting in the brain that tells us day and night and all the rest and Mm -hmm. cycles, if that's being affected because you're not getting out in the sun, then you're also going to find your nighttime tends to be uh, um, affected as well. So you just start finding, you know, then you're not ever really truly resting properly. Then you're not sort of waking up feeling fantastic because you haven't slept really well through the night and so on and so forth. So it has this this ongoing sort of cascade of problems that are sort of happening. So if you sort of, what I tend to do with patients is look at, let's optimise and control what we can control. And when you can do that, you're helping your own biochemistry. I mean, we've got a whole pharmacy in our body that's wanting to fix us. I like that description, yeah. It, it's true. Like, you know, our body's amazing what it can fix. So you've got this whole pharmacy. It's more about give that pharmacy the tool that it needs to actually do the fixing. And then you want to trigger the things in that body to go and fix it. So if you're looking at you know, certain nutrients, Um, if the gut's not working properly, you've got nutrients that aren't being absorbed, nutrients that aren't being broken down. Um, If you're then drinking alcohol because you're depressed and you're thinking, at least I can have some alcohol to make myself feel better Mm. or I can have some junk food to make myself feel better, you're having an impact on the gut. So the alcohol then, alcohol gets absorbed at the gut level. You're inflaming the gut. The gut doesn't function very well anymore, then you don't absorb your calcium properly, you're not breaking down your nutrients properly, and therefore that cascade happens. So you've got the the depressive effect of alcohol, you've got usually a, um, a liver issue because that's been impacted by, say, glandular fever, for instance, that then um, is causing the... Um, uh, 
the alcohol to the alcohol sorry is impacting on the liver so you're sort of making one thing work you know just because you you have to sort of go whatever I can control I'm going to control and when I can get that under control then we will move according to where my body is then so you don't want to sabotage the body especially in chronic fatigue because you think oh well um, this is it I've got this diagnosis and I'm here forever or I'm here for the next 10 years or whatever it's actually not what I have found in my practice. Mm-hmm. So usually I say, well, you don't want to give the liver anything extra to do because it's already been impacted in a major way. Mm-hmm. The liver usually gives us a lot of energy when it's functioning properly. And when it's not, you're going to feel lethargy. Basically, what I try to explain to patients is that we want to control everything that we can control. Mm-hmm. That will be diet. Um, you know, what sort of nutrients, not only eating um, really nutritious food, but not having junk foods that will have an impact on us breaking it down and and all the rest. So we're trying to get as many nutrients as we can into our system, make it easier for our body to repair itself. But we don't want to actually have things that then the body, you know, they're very toxic to our body and our body has to then work on that Mm. instead alcohol being one of them, cigarettes, drugs, you know, you stay away from that sort of stuff because the liver's then going to have work on that first because it'll kill us if it doesn't. Um, And things like, you know, environmentally, you know, if if you're someone that's, say, feeling depressed, I often say, look, watch a funny movie every day. Talk to people that cheer you up. You know, get on the phone and talk to people, you know, pick you up. Put yourself in the situations that you know you feel good in. You know, get rid of um, people that are quite toxic, emotionally toxic. You know, they're things we can control. If you're looking at exercise, for example, you want to do baby steps. You wouldn't go and ask someone that's really weak and um, fragile to go and lift very heavy weights. You wouldn't do that sort of thing. You would slowly build up those muscles and you would work... Um, you know, with the body repairing itself muscularly but also being triggered to grow muscle. So we, you know, push your body a little bit but not to the point where you're fatigued but you push your body just a little bit, maybe five minutes in a day if you've been somebody that's had chronic fatigue. Then 48 hours later you would repeat the same sort of push Mm -hmm. but you might go six minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's really that baby steps you know, and as their body improves, you know, you keep telling your body, look, I need a little bit more muscle. So you want to sort of fatigue the, nu- the muscle enough so that it's being triggered to make more, but not past that point so that it's set you back. You don't want a lot of inflammation. You definitely don't want to be eating a lot of sugar. So you want to be careful with the sugar um, choices. So, you, you know, as soon as you eat a lot of sugar, you've got a lot of inflammation. Inflammation is going to enhance the feeling of pain. So you don't want to do that. And so especially in these particular cases where a lot of people are feeling pain. And then look at having nutrients, for example, like calcium, like magnesium, things that work with um, neurons and the, the way that they, the nerve cell and the way that they communicate um, and the muscle and the way it spasms. You know, if you're, if you, um, they know that people with chronic fatigue, for instance, did really well or, or improved 
with things like CoQ10 that help the heart muscle function, you know, and with magnesium that helps muscular function and, um, and calcium and all the rest. So there are specific nutrients that um, can help with the demands of, you know, of what the damage is sort of causing. So it's about breaking cycles. And so when I go through the biochemistry, I'm looking at, okay, if I go and support this, I'm going to help spiral this upwards instead of stopping the spiral going downwards. Mm-hmm. And I do that with, you know, most things. I'll look at what what can I do to support this system? And chronic fatigue is, is just like everything else. It's just that usually you haven't got one or two things impacting your body. You've got a lot of areas that have been having an impact. Elizabeth, thank you once again for spending so much time sharing your knowledge. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. And we'll speak to you again in a couple of months' time. All right, my pleasure.